0: from nevada public radio i'm joe shaneman it's state of nevada you might not realize it but you have probably been the target of a scam either on the phone email or some other electronic device nevada ranks third in the nation for the number of fraud and identity theft reports with almost fifty-seven thousand reports resulting in a total loss of 108 million dollars last year And it's National Consumer Protection Week, so officials are out there warning us about the number of people who are trying to con you out of your money. Last year, Nevada's Department of Consumer Affairs received over 3,400 complaints and inquiries. The top five complaint areas were product purchases, auto body and auto repair, home repairs, Internet scams, and timeshares. I'm going to start with Whitney DeJesty. She is the Senior Deputy Attorney General with the Nevada Attorney General's Office, Bureau of Consumer Protection. Whitney, welcome to State of Nevada.
1: Hello. Thank you you for having me.
0: So, yeah, it's great to have you, Whitney. Um, I want to talk a little bit about Nevada's ranking as the number three state in the country for fraud and identity theft. Why is it such a problem here? What, What makes Las Vegas this sort of a hotbed?
1: You know, I don't really know exactly why, but I do know that um, when it comes to how to combat that, it is all about education and all about doing what we can to prevent scams from happening. So that's why, you know, National Consumer Protection Week is so important. We're trying to educate Nevadans so that um, maybe that statistic can change.
0: Yeah. In the AG's office, how much of a priority are frauds and scams?
1: Oh, uh, top priority! Um, consumer protection is one of the um, one of the top priorities for Attorney General Ford, and um, it's it he uh, focuses on and dedicates a lot of um, time and uh, to our team in our office. Our our um, division is called the Bureau of Consumer Protection, and it is uh, one of the top priorities. And
0: uh, talk about it if if somebody calls your office and they have a consumer complaint or they have an allegation of fraud. What steps can you take?
1: Sure. So um, we always direct whoever has an allegation of fraud or, um, a, you know, a scam or um, a, what we call a deceptive trade practice. And that's what we um, we enforce in the Bureau of Consumer Protection. We always direct them to file a complaint with our office, and they can do that online at um, uh, uh, ag.nv.gov. Um, there's a place to file online. And then once it's there, it's routed to where it's best suited. So a lot of the time, a different um, entity might have jurisdiction over the complaint. And so we would we would um, route it there. But if it has to do with a deceptive trade practice or a scam, um, we will um, investigate it and do what we can to um, prosecute. And you, I
0: know you get a lot of calls and, and complaints. Is there a way to determine, or have you determined about, I, I don't know, what percent come to some sort of satisfaction, or, or what percent you're actually able to reach some, some something for the person who's making the complaint?
1: I don't have those statistics, um, but I I can say that um, you know it. I, it all depends upon um, if it's you know, a lot of the time. Like with a scam complaint per se, it, a lot of the time it's over overseas. So when they file with our office, um, we might not, or you know, not even um, a different entity, like uh, a, a federal entity, might not be uh, be, easy, be able to easily locate them. Um, but when they are in Nevada. Or when they are um, like actual businesses that are um, using deceptive trade practices on Nevadans, um, I would say we have a pretty high percentage of, um, of holding them accountable.
0: That's Whitney DeJeste, Senior Deputy Attorney General in the Bureau of Consumer Protection in Nevada. And we're taught it's National Consumer Fraud Week, and Nevada is, again, near the top when it comes to people getting scammed. And almost all of us have been victims or targets of a scam. And Hank from Las Vegas, welcome to the program. Hi. Hey, go ahead, Uh, Hank.
2: This this is what happened to us here in the last uh, week. My wife is going to take the car to California to visit family. So we decided uh, that, you know, it'd be a good idea to get the brakes checked. The car has 20,000 miles on it. It's a 2020. And uh, she took it to, at the same time, we got a mailing for a free brake inspection. So the wife took the car down there, they inspected the brakes, and said we need rear brakes. They need to be replaced, the pads and the rotors. So I decided, well, you know what? It'd be a good idea if we get another opinion because the car only has 20,000 miles on it. It's driven locally. The right. wife takes it to the grocery store and Costco. But anyway, so uh, we went to another uh, licensed uh, – no, we, we got another thing in the mail for a free brake inspection at the dealer which she, she took the car down to the dealer, and lo and behold, they gave us an inspection for the free inspection, and then they came back that we needed rear brakes, we needed the pads, and the rotors are cracked. So now uh, we had two different opinions. So we took it to, uh, to another certified mechanic They opened the car up. They looked at it. They inspected it. I mean, a major inspection of the brakes. There were three mechanics there and they started laughing. They said, you don't need brakes. Uh, Your car is perfect. So now we have those opinions. So I took it to another certified mechanic. They opened the car and they said, you don't need brakes. Those brakes are perfect. They're like new. And the dealer Wanted to charge us eight hundred and thirty bucks to replace those rear brakes and rotors, which allegedly had a crack had cracked rotors. Wow,
0: uh, that I just
2: wanted yeah. to make the public aware of these free brake inspections, and you know what? The dealer in this case is the one I'm really ticked off about. Yeah,
0: that that is really valuable information, and I think a lot of people in Las Vegas have learned. When you take your car into somebody, you talk to all your friends and see where they've been and see who they trust. Uh, Hank, thank you, thank you so much for that call. It is a real cautionary note. I, I want to get to Chris Williams with Nevada's Consumer Affairs Office, but uh, I want to get to this call first. Sharon from Las Vegas has an interesting story. Welcome to the program.
3: Thank you. It's it's nice to be here. This wasn't um, me personally, but it was my daughter. And about a month ago, um, she had been looking for a job and she um, had her resume on LinkedIn and she was contacted. Um, she was emailed and they referenced her resume on LinkedIn and they um, interviewed her twice over the phone and it was for um, a gown company in New York. And she looked up and it's a legitimate gown company and they allegedly had gowns in like Macy's, Nordstrom's, Dillard's, um, etc. So, It was for a work-from-home photo editing job. And like I said, she did two um, interviews over the phone. They wanted to see her portfolio. Um, They went through her resume. Then they um, gave her an offer offer letter, um, which she accepted. It was, you know, amazing um, pay, but still, like, reasonable. Like, Mm -hmm. no red flags at all. And um, then... Uh, they gave her like a, an NDA to um, a non disclosure agreement to sign and went through the onboarding process. Um, she had to give information for um, direct deposit. And um, then they were also requiring that she use um, specific photo editing software. So they said that they were going to deposit money into her account oh, wow. to buy this photo editing software. So they deposited quote unquote, $4,500. And she was um, to to buy the software. And then, um, you know, the following week begin. And um, uh, they, they deposited and then they tried to withdraw $4,500. And they had tried it multiple times. And then she got an alert from her bank. Um, and so she comes um, into my room at like 1130 at night, bawling her eyes out because she found out it was a scam. And on the the, the gown company's website, like on the website, there was nothing. But then as she went further into, I think, careers, there was like a red banner across the top that said, mm. we currently have no jobs available, but there is a um, an ongoing scam where people are trying to get um, your personal information. So wow. she, was, she was just devastated. Um, yeah. But luckily, the, the bank shut it down. She didn't lose any money, but definitely a very hard lesson to learn.
0: Very much so. Thank you, Sharon. That, that is a, a another story that's good for other people to hear. Just about everybody can be taking, taken by scams. Um, I, I've told this story on the radio before. I, I don't know if it was last year or a couple of years ago, but I'll tell it again because it can happen to anybody. I was here early in the morning one, one year, and I got a email from my boss saying I need gift cards and I need them now for for people who are uh, donors and I want to give them gift cards. I was like, "Hi, huh? it was like 5:30 in the morning. I we went back and forth by email like, "Where should I get these?" Uh, go to across the street to Walmart and they have them all there. I put my coat on. I was walking out the door when our tech guy walked down the hallway and he said, "Where are you going?" And I said, I'm "Got to get these gift cards. The boss says I didn't have to get them." I was kind of grumpy about it. He said, you're out of your mind. He said, it's a scam. And, and then I went back to my desk, looked at the email. It it did have my boss's name. But then after that, it had a jumble of letters and numbers uh, in, in different signatures that you could tell it wasn't legitimate. So everybody, everybody can fall for this stuff. Um, and I, I, I thought I couldn't, you know, I've been covering this stuff for, for many, many years. National Consumer Affairs Protection week, and we have some experts on that with us right now. And Chris Williams is one of them. She is the Chief Compliance and Audit Investigator for the the state agency, the Nevada Consumer Affairs Office. Chris, welcome to State of Nevada.
4: Thank you, Joe, and thank you, KPNR, for for this uh, opportunity to provide this important information to our consumers.
0: It it is important. Uh, uh, Begin with, uh, what's the role of Nevada Consumer Affairs? What do you do?
4: Well, we have the authority to uh, enforce consumer protection laws and uh, in and uh, ensure that the businesses are operating in Nevada. They follow the uh, legal practices, um, ensure that they're uh, licensed for one in Nevada. And also we investigate to determine if there's been any uh, violations of our laws and regulations. The main um, is the uh, deceptive trade practices, Uh, Nevada Revised Statutes 598. Uh, We hold uh, businesses accountable. Their actions, uh, 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 we deem that they have uh, actually have violated these these viola- uh, these regulations mm-hmm. okay Also we can uh, in addition to our investigations we also provide guidance to our uh, to our consumers and we provide resources also.
0: yeah it's interesting you know um, at different levels of, of consumer protection people will take reports uh, until it gets to a certain standard or, or a certain bar they won't get involved but you get involved. you, you have a very small office. You get 3,400 complaints, but you and two other people and some assistants, you make calls. Talk about that. That's correct.
4: When we get uh, complaints, uh, we often uh, determine whether there's been some violations. Uh, we also take a good look at the the money that the consumer has 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 paid out or has lost, and uh, that really raises our you know red flags. For example, uh, you know. We had a, a consumer that was from out of state, and she was 86 years old, and she uh, was just approached by someone and, and- In Las Vegas? In Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. She was approached and they offered a free facials, which she did, and they continued to you know, to talk to her, and they, they were very nice to her. She, she said they were very nice people, and uh, next thing she knows, she goes home, and her credit card had been ran up to over $12,000. So what I, we did as uh, uh, Consumer Affairs, we called the company. We, we actually, we do have to write to them and, and provide the information and mm-hmm. explain that there's been a complaint against their business. We do give them the opportunity to respond and when they don't respond, we go knocking at the door. In this, in this case, particular case, because they were uh, adamant that they had done nothing wrong. So uh, we had to go, um, wow. my investigator and I, we both went and knocked on their door twice. They finally uh, were uh, let up and they they refunded
0: the lady. The. Wow. But, but but this is a, a uh, this is a company that actually has a, a license in Las Vegas or or in Nevada. Yeah, they're legitimate. A legitimate company. Mm-hmm. Legitimate company. Do they have to explain what went wrong or why this happened?
4: Well, their their response was that, and they had pictures. They took pictures with the with the elderly lady, and she was from Hawaii, and they they had pictures of her just smiling, and they they stated, does she look like she was you know, coerced or
0: or pressured. She looked, you know, she was happy. Yeah, but uh, a facial at uh, $12,000, I would think it would be gold-plated. But um, you have one more story that was that was really interesting that you wanted to tell.
4: Yes. Uh, the next case that we had, and it's very bizarre, uh, this uh, company, again, uh, was legit, and they claimed that their equipment uh, cured cancer. That was her allegation, that that's what they she was told, that... Uh, That it cures cancer. Her mom had cancer. She was, you know, she was desperate. The the mother was desperate. They were both desperate. So they paid a twenty thousand dollars deposit, and uh, by the end of their contract, they would have been it would have been sixty thousand dollars that they would have paid for an equipment that does not work. So, uh, what did you do? We contacted the business. We again we we did the process and we went to hearing. We have the authority to to prosecute as well, and we have the Attorney General's office who's, who who uh, defends and 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 uh, represents our office. Mm-hmm. So we went through the hearing process and we were able to. To also um, gain the consumer's twenty thousand dollars deposit back.
0: So, so does a company like that then go? Um, do you put red flags up everywhere? Do they go out of business, or do they still stay in business?
4: Well, they stayed in business because they were able to prove that they did not state those, you know, the what, what those the, claims. Those claims
0: correct. Instead of using like we will cure, maybe they said it could cure or something to that effect. It's possible that they can be cured, right. and it, it
4: depends on the person if they're willing to, they have that will to live. And, and they're preying on
0: people and, at that point who are maybe at the, the absolutely their, yeah the last last thread of hope. Yeah, we are talking about fraud. Nevada is number three in the country for fraud complaints. And a lot of you, a lot of us, myself included, have been the victim or almost been the victim. And we are talking about that with uh, three experts. Our next is Maricela Segura. She is the Chief Compliance and Audit Investigator for um, the FTC. Welcome to the program.
5: Thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Um, I'm actually, I'm regional director of the oh. FTC's Los Angeles office. Oh, but I'm
0: sorry. I, I saw something different here. No, no, that's yeah. that's
5: perfectly fine. But I do, we do audit things and we do investigate. Um, and just like, just like our, our colleagues in Nevada.
0: So how is the FTC different from the Nevada Consumer Affairs Office when it comes to protecting consumers?
5: Yeah, well, we all have our unique role. But first, I'm going to say scammers do not like the fact that we collaborate and we cooperate and share resources. So they should know that we work across states and divisions to share resources. But the FTC is the nation's consumer protection agency. So that means that's one main difference is that our work is national in scope. So when we get court or administrative orders uh, against a company, let's say we settle with a scammer or a company that's crossing the line with their practices, that order will follow them in every state they operate. So that's that's one thing. Um, also, our database of fraud reports, we pull in from reports from across the country, uh, different states, different divisions, local, um, at, the, at the local level, the state level. And so our report database is a national report database. So it's pretty comprehensive. And we make those available to our law enforcement partners and law enforcement partners share their complaints with us. So that's another difference. Um, And uh, in terms of our investigations, I suspect we all have kind of similar tools to do undercover investigations um, and also request information from companies that we target. But one big difference is that you just noted with, with Chris is that Chris will actually communicate and contact the company on behalf of the consumers. So they mediate. The mm-hmm. Nevada Department of Consumer Affairs mediates disputes. We don't mediate disputes. What we do is we look at complaint trends. We look at up-and-coming frauds and decide where to put our resources, decide who to investigate, mm. sometimes undercover, sometimes we'll reach out to the company. But we're not mediating individual disputes.
0: Wait, what's the threshold that it that takes for you to get involved that way?
5: So that's a good question. There is no particular threshold. I won't say there's a particular dollar amount. But it does have to meet uh, – it does have to be involved in interstate. State commerce, so usually across states, or something that will it hits a broad range of consumers, not just in one locality. Um, and if it's an up and coming fraud, say something that we need to nip in the bud because we see it's going to be a problem, um, we might take a, a fraud with a small dollar amount of harm, but because we see that it's an up and coming fraud, like for example, when COVID hit, a lot of people selling. Um, selling stuff that said they were you know basically snake oil saying it was going to cure covid or prevent covid at that point we knew nothing about covid how it was spread um so we took a lot of cases with small players just be, just at the very incipiency of the the website mm-hmm. just the website going up well we would pursue those and bring them down
0: and now that now that covid has subsided what 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 are the interstate scams that you're looking at what what are the kind of things that are popping up that really draw attention
5: Um, Investment schemes have gone through the roof. Um, You know, these frauds about business opportunities and, and work at home. I put that in the same bucket, what your listener talked about earlier today. One big red flag about these work from home scams, you should never have to pay money or open your bank account to a deposit for a job. That's a big red flag if, if you're getting hired by a company for a work-at-home opportunity and they say, oh, well, all you need to do is set up this system so you're just going to need to, you know.
0: Well, it's a, it makes sense. I mean, you think about it. I'm working for a company out of New York and they want to deposit my check in a direct deposit, so I give them my direct deposit info.
5: Well, um, you know that's 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 once you're hired and you you get a first paycheck, perhaps maybe you can you get your di- direct deposit. But what what we're talking about and what the listener was talking about is before you start working, they say you need this new system. We're going to give you the money to buy the system. So now they're depositing money into your bank account. That's that's a big red flag. That's 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 a common trick that fraudsters use. They'll de- say they'll deposit money into your bank account and then seek to withdraw it. Um, and they they play this like financial game where you're giving over your bank account information and they're Oh, gonna try so it with-
0: it, they seek to so they, they actually do it, if you're quick enough, you can just take the money right. but they get it out quick enough, but the, the, the real reason is they want your bank uh, the information so that they could take future money that you put into them.
5: Exactly, or they want to steal your identity.
0: That's kind of crazy. Uh, so what are the things? I mean, it's it's really interesting what you do. It reminds me of a lot of sort of movies and TV shows that you guys are sort of always looking for trends in scams. What are some other, like, are, are the things you see in Nevada quite a bit?
5: Well, I mean, Nevada, one of the biggest, I mean, this is almost like an evergreen, is identity theft. And so um, identity theft is probably your top complaint category. And the next are those um, investment schemes, as we were talking about, a lot. A lot of people are moving, uh, losing money to crypto schemes. So, folks saying, "We've got this coin. We're going to set up this, you know, this system where the coin is going to be invaluable. It's going to be more valuable than Bitcoin." And that's just a bunch of smoke and mirrors. It's not true.
0: But, but how can you? We we actually got a. Uh an email from Tyler in Carson City who said, "I invested in a cryptocurrency that turned out to be a scam. I lost a lot of money as a result. What can I do to recover lost funds? And how? What are what are some red flags to avoid?"
5: I mean, crypto is already these these um, crypto tokens are already really volatile. Um, but red flags are where someone's promising you big returns. If it sounds too good to be true, it's probably too big too good to be true. Um, you know. Nobody can predict what, if, especially if they're telling you, oh, you're going to make X percent more, you know, you're going to triple your money. No one can tell you that. They, they don't know that. You see, you see what's happening in crypto right now, even with, you know, the more like established coins. Mm-hmm. If someone's telling you your, guar- your money's guaranteed to triple, that's probably a scam.
0: I got another comment here from Carlos in Reno, who said, I recently received a phone call claiming my social security number had been compromised. They wanted my personal information. I hung up the phone and dialed back the number only for it to be disconnected. This has worked for me to identify scammers. And I wonder if that is what you recommend. Uh, Chris Williams.
4: Yes. uh, As a matter of fact, I'm glad he brought that up, the listener brought that up, because my mother, uh, about a month ago, she was called, and it was um, ironic because I had just gotten the call 15 minutes before her claiming that my Social Security uh, number had been compromised and I needed to contact Texas, uh, state of Texas. And so my mom called me. I just hung up. Uh, my mother uh, called me frantic. She was paranoid. She was going, I'm driving to your house right now. They, they stole my, my, my Social Security number. I don't know what to do. And I said, Mom, calm down. Calm down," I said. "I said I got the same call you did. It's a scam," and she says. Well, "I said, did you did you press the button or the, you have to click on something?" She says. "Well, yeah, I, I they told me to to click on this," so she clicked the phone number. Uh, then so she was she spoke to somebody actually, yeah. and they told her to contact uh, this uh, person and blah blah blah. And so it was just uh, yeah, people can get scammed easily, especially the the elderly are more vulnerable. Like my mother, um, she's elderly and she was just frantic.
0: I wonder why it's Texas. I, I got a call years ago from somebody who said my photo ID was found at the site of a murder it had blood on it and oh. uh, that uh, they could make this go away if I gave them some money and I said well send me the report Oh, we're gonna have an investigator at your door tomorrow morning I said okay that'd be great I want to talk to him <laughs> never heard from wow. him. <laughs> um, yeah, unfortunately we only have about a minute left uh, but the, the FTC has found one thing that there's a lot of 20 to 29 year olds who get scammed but it's the older people who lose the money 20 seconds, Maricela, uh, why?
5: Well, um, well. one thing the data show is like older adults are not the only ones who are uh, falling for scams. That's just a lie. Actually, the 20-somethings are falling for scams more often. They're just losing less money. And the simple answer is older adults have more money to lose. Um, you know, they just have more. They have yeah. more savings. They have homes. They have assets that younger adults don't. That younger younger folks don't have. Um, also, as I mentioned, investment scams are are through the roof right now. And so, even older adults are looking at the money that they do have, their savings, and they're wanting to make it stretch. And so, they might be falling a little more for or or, or um, succumbing to these these. these other scandals. and that's all
0: the time we have. I want to thank Maricela Segura from the FTC, Chris Williams with the Nevada Consumer Affairs. Whitney Digesti with the aG's office.